It was Monday evening, August 23, with a capacity crowd in attendance at the Rugby League's club at Lang Park. The occasion was the count for the Rothmans gold medal. The Rothmans medal was awarded to the player with the most points after counting votes had concluded. The votes were given after each match by the referee of the game who awarded three points to the player they considered the best player, two points for the next best and one point for the third best player. The votes were then sealed in an envelope immediately after the game until this night. And as the envelopes were opened, the points scored were written on a blackboard that had been previously ruled up with numerous checkboxes for names and points to be added. A total of 89 players received votes on this night, with the public address system announcing each of them as the envelopes were opened. Billy J. Smith from Colour Radio 4IP was a colourful Brisbane sporting commentator. And a very good evening, everyone. Here we are live, right through our Queensland. But Billy J. was also the voice of Brisbane Rugby League. He called the weekend BRL games on Radio 4IP and later moved to television and actually called the very first State of Origin match. The voice of Billy J Smith was synonymous with Brisbane Rugby League in the 70s and on this night at BRL club headquarters, it was Billy J Smith who compared the evening. As the names and points were read, BRL officials kept score on the large blackboard. Peter Vitteroni from Norths, Mick Cowell from Souths, Peter Stapleton from Norths, Ian Robson from Wests, and Norm Carr, all 11 points. Wayne Abdi of Brothers, 13 points. Graham Lena of Brothers, 14 points. Ross Trolfo from Valleys, 15 points. Johnny White from West, 16 points. Ian Tiny from Redcliffe, 17 points. Greg Vivas from Souths, 19 points. And on a whopping 24 points, a full five points clear of second place was winner manly second row forward, Len Brunner. Len was the runner-up to Graham Atherton in the 1970 count and has gone one better in 1971. He's a former Toowoomba Bulimba Cup player and in his so far two seasons with Winner Manly, he hadn't missed a game. After the announcement on the Monday night, Brunner then attended a special dinner at the Rugby League Club with numerous political representatives, executives of Rothmans, league personnel and media personalities on the Wednesday night. And then the medal was awarded before the minor semi-final on August 29 by the Governor, Sir Alan Mansfield, followed by Brunner doing a lap of honour at Lang Park. You're listening to the eighth episode of Season 1 in BRL Moments in Time, and this is 1971. G'day everybody, I'm Chris Leeson and I'm here as always with Dave Teagle. G'day Dave, how are you going? Yep, well as usual too Chris. That's good. Uh, while we're dealing with 1971, we, let's have a look at the players from that year who could be placed into our BRL Moments in Time Hall of Fame. As always, we're going to shortlist five players, or as one of my mates would say, I'll shortlist five players and then put six on the list. But uh, from each year, we'll take five players or thereabouts. And then at the end of the decade, we'll start to create that uh, BRL Moments in Time Hall of Fame. I'm really keen to get into this conversation. Winner Manly were clear wooden spooners in 1971, but one of their best was awarded the Rothmans medal by a clear five points. There might be some interesting names to come up during our 1971 conversation if uh, the Wooden Spooners can provide the best player in the competition. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting when a player from the, the team winning the Wooden Spoon gets the competition's major award. And even more interesting is that he wasn't the only player playing well at Winner Manly at that time. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, Gary Dobridge and Trevor Niebling were two others who were top-class performers in 1971 as well, and they were both from Winner Manly. Yeah, yep. Okay, well, let's get into it. Um, During this first season of the podcast, as we've mentioned, our decade time frame will be from 1968 to 1977, but today we're just looking at 1971. Yeah, and in an opinion piece that was published by the Courier-Mail on September 26, the writer, who wasn't credited that I could see, but I'm pretty sure was Bob Bax, gave his season's awards, 
And his player of the year was John Lang. His most improved player was Jim Murphy from Souths. And his most consistent player was Ross Trelfo. And I'll come back to these guys a little later in this section. While Valleys finished the season as minor premiers, their goal-kicking fullback, Norm Clark, also finished the year as the season's top point scorer, with 159 to his name. And Valleys had three try scorers with 10 or more in Retchless, Abraham and O'Doherty. But the competition's top try scorer was West second rower, Richie Twist, with 13. And the Courier Mail Best and Fairest Award was won by Graham Lena from Brothers, who scored 21 points in that competition, just one point ahead of his brother's teammate, Wayne Abdi. They were followed by Len Brunner on 17, Peter Lease on 16, and Ian Tiny, Greg Vivers and Ian Robson on 15. Robson in particular was an interesting case. He missed the first four weeks due to his desire to play sub-districts rugby union with his mates. He also missed the last five weeks of the season with a broken toe. So that means he played 12 of 21 games and still polled 15 points. At that rate of polling points, if Ian Robson had played the whole season, we probably would have been crowning him as Player of the Year. Yeah, certainly. It's a pretty good uh, strike rate for that yeah. shorter amount of time. Outstanding. Yep. Yeah. So the Brethren's Roth- Rothman's medal was won by Wynnum Manly second row forward Len Brunner, as we said in our introduction. And uh, Brunner had been one of Wynnum's best uh, all season long. But the final five weeks of the competition saw an outstanding run of form from the Wynnum Manly forward. And as earlier mentioned, it might seem that Brunner was the only Winner Manly player who played good football in 71, but that wasn't the case. Even though they were losing, Trevor Niebling, Gary Dobrik and uh, George Baldacino were also regular contributors to the Winner Manly season. So Brunner obviously scored a lot of Rothman's points in games when Winham didn't dominate, but while he was the best of the rest, there were a number of the rest who were still pretty good. Yeah, and well on that point, we use the match reports and tally up the time someone is mentioned as having played well throughout the season. Brunner is mentioned 16 times in a 21-game season as having been one of the better players on the field. But to stress that he wasn't a lone soldier, Trevor Niebling gets 15 mentions, Gary Dobrik has 12 and George Baldacino had 10. Winner Manley may have only won three games and had a draw in 1971, but their best players played pretty well uh, pretty much every time they played. Yeah, that's right. It could also seem that uh, at Brothers, a similar situation, that Graham Lena and Wayne Abdi were the only good players for them. And while that isn't entirely true, if we took those two and Johnny Smith out of the equation, there wouldn't be too many more Brothers players who are troubling the scoring officials for Player of the Year awards during 1971. They just weren't consistent enough. Yep, so if we look at each club, we can see there are groups of players that have been instrumental in their success. For Norths, Brian Adams was instrumental in that success that the Devils had in 71. He had a great season in the summer of 69 too. I got my first real six-string, bought it the five and done. Played it till my fingers bled, was a summer of 69. Uh, Chris, <laughs> daggy humour there, sorry. Oh. Uh, he was dropped early in the year, but once he returned to the top team, North started winning, and he was often at the forefront of those winning performances. At the same time, Peter Vitteroni started playing in the forwards instead of on the wing, and he too was an integral part of North's surge to the semi-finals. Johnny Brown had good patches throughout the season, but he was not the player he had been in previous years. Others who played well in patches but were a shadow of their former selves were Peter Kleinhans and Peter Hall. Players who ran into a streak of golden form in the final round of the season when Norths really started to stamp themselves on the competition were guys like Ray Katanak, Len Stacker, Don Simpson and newer guys like Ron Streak, Athel Gear, and young Nick Geiger who made his debut towards the end of the season. Souths also had plenty of players who contributed well to their season. Like Norths, they missed key players at different times of the season, but at Souths, they were mostly due to injury rather than slumping form. Also, like Norths, the better-performed guys at Souths were mostly established players, but one newcomer certainly showed his worth. John Grant missed a good portion of the season, but he was outstanding when he played. But his centre replacement, John Graham, stepped up and was one of Souths' better players all year, so much so that he was selected to play for Brisbane. South Fijian recruits that were relied on so heavily in 1970 were good, but only in patches. Their form saw them play a bit of reserve grade as well as shine occasionally in A grade. Tony Scott was their top point scorer and Doug Stapleton their top try scorer. And both these players, along with Grant, Vivas and Jim Murphy, were all selected in representative teams, with Murphy making his international debut on the Australian tour of New Zealand. 
Graham Atherton also had a good season when a real purple patch in the latter half of the year. Forward Mick Cowell along with Vivas was the highest points poller for Souths in the Courier-Mail Best and Fairest. Cowell was also selected in the Brisbane team early in the season. Now East's also had a few Brisbane representatives. Des Morris, Paul Kahn, Alan Curry, John Eels, Jeff Fife, Roger Coon and John Lang all played for Brisbane at some stage in 1971. They also had great success through the season. They led the competition for much of the year and won through to the grand final. The best players at Easts were Des Morris and John Lang. Morris unfortunately broke his leg early and played very little of the 1971 season. John Lang was rarely mentioned because of different people in the team being the stars of each particular week, but he was often spoke of as one of Easts' better players. He was more often spoken of, though, as one of the better players in the BRL. In fact, he and Hugh O'Doherty were, were reportedly neck and neck as the best hooker forwards in Brisbane. That is, despite having Artie Connell of Wests, Alan Noonan of Norths, Peter Theofanis for Winner Manley and Phil Massey for Redcliffe. Any of those players would hold their own in a representative jersey, but Lang was seen as the heir apparent, while O'Doherty had the mantle at the moment, and both were fighting with Brian Fitzsimmons from Central Queensland for top honours in the state. John Eels, Bob Pearce, Jeff Fife, and Paul Kahn were the better performers amongst a team full of guys who gave effort each and every week. Paul Kahn was also East's top try scorer with 11 tries, just two behind the competition high of 13. West still had a star-studded side, but they didn't gel for enough of the season to record wins in the early part of the year. They were lucky to sign professional sprinter Arch Brown, who had returned to Brisbane after his playing stint in Sydney with Parramatta. Brown was definitely helpful as West's outside backs, Yogi Thompson, Wayne Stewart and Nev McDonald, performed well below their best for the majority of the year. Even having a lean year though, Thompson still scored 12 tries, which was just the one less than the competition's top try scorer and teammate Richie Twist. Twist and fellow second row forward Ian Robson were both dominant forces again. What more can be said of these two tall rangy back rowers? Their attacking raids tore defences to shreds and Robson's defence in close was a feature of his game. Ipswich player Johnny White entered the A-grade scene and started to make his mark towards the end of a season, as did former Valley's lower-grade halfback Greg Oliphant, who was selected as a reserve for Brisbane late in the year. Brothers had a mixed season with little success. Graham Lena and Wayne Abdi were their best, as was evidenced by their finishing positions in the Courier Mail Best and Fairest Awards. John Smith, as always, was one of their best as well. Outside of those three, brothers had good players on different weeks, but very few who rated a match report mention on a regular basis. Winger Peter Skirman was probably the pick of the rest, with his highest try-scoring tally for the club at eight tries. The Valleys finished as minor premiers, but they were often reported as doing just enough to get the win, rather than playing to their potential. They had the competition's top try scorer in Norm Clark, and as we mentioned earlier, three players who scored more than 10 tries. They suffered some injuries though, the worst being to Marty Scanlon, who had been on the verge of national selection when he went down with a broken jaw midway through the season. His return to the game automatically brought with it an improvement in Valley's play. Mick Retchless was another Valley's player who was injured. He didn't have a major injury, he just had a lot of them. If his body had been more durable, Mick Retchless would have been one of the great centre three-quarters of his age. His timing and reading of the game put him in a class of Bob Fulton. Fulton's speed would beat Retchless, but Mick's tackling was second to none. Ross Trelfo was his consistent self, tackling and setting up attacking raids throughout each game each week. There were also a group of Valley's forwards who performed well on a regular basis. Tony Perkins, John McCabe, Leon Moose-McGuire, Hugh O'Doherty and Russell Hughes were all representative players in 71. O'Doherty gained great accolades in Player of the Year awards as well. Valleys also unearthed a 19-year-old centre who first off filled in at 5'8 for the injured Marty Scanlon. He made such an impression in his beginning A-grade career that Jerry Fitzpatrick was also selected in the Brisbane team towards the end of the season. And on to winner Manly. Uh, their success was fleeting in 1971. They played tough and ran teams close in so many games, but in the end they just lacked the same level of class as many of the other teams. Wynnum's captain coach Paul Pyers played well when he was on the field, and he had the luxury of playing with his son, Paul Jr. It's an amazing story. Yeah. In the latter part of the year, when he was blooding young players with a view to the future. Did you remember seeing any of that, uh, Chris? No, I don't remember uh, Paul Pyers and his, and his son playing at all. Yeah, no. what a great story, though. Yeah. 
That's something to tell the grandkiddies. It is. Len Brunner won the Rothmans medal and was a runner-up in the Courier Mail Best and Fairest. He was a standout player for Winner Manly, but only just ahead of representative players Gary Dobrik, Trevor Niebling and Peter Theofanis. Lock forward George Baldacino was a real find for Wynnum, as was their speedster on the wing, young John Callis. And the final club on the list is uh, Redcliffe, and they too lack the polish to compete consistently with other teams in the competition. Their hooker and captain Phil Massey was one of the best performers, but the guys who really had Redcliffe firing were Peter Lease, Ian Tiny and Daryl Shue. Shue was missed when he was out injured, but Tiny and Lease were standout performers in the side pretty much every week. So there you have it. That's the rundown of each team. We've been through the 71 seasons match reviews and we can compile a short list of the players that have had the most impact on the 71 season. There were six players who were recognised in at least two-thirds of matches, uh, more often than anyone else across the rest of the season. Yeah, but that's definitely one way to narrow down the list. But remember, we've said that this isn't our only method to make our list. One of the dangers of recognising players in this way is that there are players who perform at that high level each week and they aren't written up because that's the standard expected of them. Yeah, that's definitely right, Dave. Well, that list can help us narrow down the names. When you read a write-up about someone performing well for East, you'll sometimes read along something along the lines of how John Lang is one of their better players, even though he may not be mentioned each and every week. And others to fall into this category were Ross Trofo, Marty Scanlon and Mick Richless for Valleys. In fact, in one match report, the writer actually said, Retchless was good today, but only a shadow of his usual self. So he was good, but not as good as usual. And usually he doesn't even get a rap. So how many times should we have heard about him? Well, non-Valleys <laughs> fans might think that we hear about him too often, but the facts are that he was written up as one of the best players in the competition on a regular basis. Yeah, Chris, but there must be players from other clubs and not just Valleys. Oh, touche, Dave. 100% right, though. We've... Uh, Already mentioned Johnny Lang from Easts, but uh, Jim Murphy from South, Len Dittmar from Brothers, and Ian Tiny for Redcliffe with three more in that category. And you could probably throw in Trevor Niebling from Winner Manly and probably Greg Oliphant from West as well. Even though these guys received regular accolades for their performances, there are numerous times when they're mentioned through the week. The write-up will say that they'll be missed while they're away with the state team or missed when they're out through injury. These guys are mentioned now in this section while we're talking about it so that we have the discussion at the end of the decade, we'll be able to refer back. If we go back to the beginning of the section of the podcast, we noted the article uh, that was written by, we think, Bob Bax when he listed John Lang, Jim Murphy and Ross Trolfo. Neither of these guys figured at the very top of the Player of the Year awards, although all of them figured towards the top of the runner-up category. This brings into play the need for reading about players rather than just tallying the number of times that they are listed in match reports. Okay, well that's good because I thought we'd changed our parameters. <laughs> match reports are a good place to start, but reading about the qualities of a player will tell you more about who that player is and where they might sit in relation to a place in the BRL Moments in Time Hall of Fame. With that said, the players we would put on our short list for 1971 are possibly Len Brunner from Winner Manly, in a team that won the Wooden Spoon, Brunner was thought of highly enough to run third in the Courier Mail Best and Fairest Award and to poll enough points to win the Rothmans medal. If we look only at match reports, Brunner was recognised by the reporters covering the Winner Manly games more often than any other player in the league. Dave, you're right on the money there. He had the share the spotlight at Winner Manly with Livewire halfback Gary Dobrik and cult hero captain Trevor Niebling, who both rated a mention on plenty of occasions as well and both were selected to play for Brisbane. And when Dobrik and Niebling can have such a good season, it speaks to how well Len Brunner actually played for Winner Manly. Yeah, and probably ask questions about why Winham just couldn't put it together. Yeah, that's a good question to ask. I actually asked that long-time Winner Manly prop and second-row forward uh, Ken Churchill that question in our interview in Episode 4. And if you haven't listened to that one, it might be good to jump back and, and have a listen. Uh, while we rank these players according to the number of times that they've been singled out as having played well during a season... We're also looking at other factors. If it was just the match reports, the next player shortlisted is the guy referred to the second most in match reports across the whole league as having played well, and that guy is Trevor Niebling. Uh, Trevor Niebling from Winner Manly? Yeah, yeah, that's the same guy. So the two guys who are most often mentioned in match reports as having played well in games across the whole of the 1971 season were Winner Manly forwards, Len Brunner and Trevor Niebling. There were only five games in a 21 season when Brunner was not mentioned and Trevor Niebling was only one game behind that. 
So Wynnum missed something, but it wasn't full-hearted forwards like Brunner and Niebling. Mm-hmm. A little aside on Trevor Niebling, he was a school teacher and he travelled to Canada in the off-season to do teacher exchanges. He was a wild spirit and his long hair in the early 70s stamped him as a bit of a wild man, much in the vein of Jeff Robinson, uh, who played for Canterbury in the late 70s and 80s, people who might remember that. We'll recognise Trevor Niebling here uh, because statistically he's the next best player. So we'll note his position and uh, keep him in our conversation. But we'll pass over him on the short list just so we can add players from other teams. Uh, any relation to Brian Niebling, Chris, that you're aware of? Uh, not not that I um, am aware. Okay, rightio. All right, so our second player on the short list for 1971 might be brothers Graham Lena, who was the Coriamale best and fairest. He was ranked higher than his brother's teammate Wayne Abdi, but Abdi's close to this company too. Yeah, it's probably a fair call, Dave, because uh, Graham Lena took over the role of Barry Dowling in the brothers' team, and they won when he, Abdi and Smith were on their game. They didn't win enough, but it wasn't Lena's fault. He was on his game more often than brothers managed wins, so I'd be quite happy to put Lena on this list. Yeah, oh, well, there were three other guys who were equal in the number of references as Graham Lena. So from what you've read, Chris, do these guys demand a spot on this short list? Well, let's have a look. Who are they? Give us two of one at a time and we'll see what we've got. Okay, so the first guy on the list is West's Richie Twist. What do you reckon about Twist? Well, yeah, Richie Twist was a long-striding, rangy back row that we've said before. Um, he devastated opposition defences on a regular basis. Um, he may have been trapped out wide too often in defence. That's uh, what I've read is that that was the knock that was thrown his way for why he wasn't selected for higher honours. Mm. But he could certainly make an impact on a game, that's for sure. I'm more than happy to add him to the list. In fact, he was one of my favourite players when I was a kid because of how exciting he was when yeah. you watch him run. So who else you got there? Right, another guy who could make an impact on a game was Peter Lease from Redcliffe. Where do you reckon he sits with regard to that short list? Well, he was pretty dominating centre as well. He made breaks and scored regularly and was highly ranked in the Curry Mail Best and Ferris through 71. Uh, he was also Redcliffe's top try scorer. Um, his tough attitude kept him involved in play when things were tight and his speed and flair put him head and shoulders above the rest when the game opened up a little. Even if he wasn't in the top match report list, uh, I'd consider adding him to the list because he's one of those guys who always plays well. So, yeah, I'd put him on the list. What, who else did you have there? Righto. Well, the final guy on this list of top match review performers in 1971 is Greg Vivas. In 1971, Vivas was not yet the leader he was to become, but he was an outstanding young player who could poke holes in defences and would tackle all day. Yeah, Dave, I'm comfortable with Greg Vivas on the list as well. Like you say, in 71, he's probably not the leader that he was going to become, but uh, Greg Vivas could really play footy. Like he, I, I remember him pretty well. He um, was playing through my... Uh, teenage years and uh, I can certainly remember watching him play but even when he first burst on the scene there are plenty of reports that uh, talk about how well he contributed to South's um, performances particularly with his defence but uh, I, when I watched him play I really remember him for his attack so if he's got his attack and his defence sorted out I'd say we could definitely leave him in here yeah, sure. So who have we missed out if we've got all of those guys on the list? Well, on the list, we've got Len Brunner, Graham Lena, Richie Twist, Peter Lease, and Greg Vivas. So that means that outside of those guys, we'd be missing out on Jim Murphy from Souths, Graham Atherton and Mick Cowell also from Souths, Trollfo, Retchless, Russell Hughes, John McCabe and Hugh O'Doherty from Valleys, Paul Kahn, John Eels and John Lang from Easts, Ian Tiny, Daryl Shue of Redcliffe, Wayne Abdi from Brothers, Gary Dobrik and Trevor Niebling from Winner Manly and Peter Hall from Norse. That's a few pretty good players missing there, but you can't deny any of the guys on the short list from this year. So the Hall of Fame discussion for this decade is going to be a good one because there are plenty of players who are putting their hand up to say, pick me. Well, that's our coverage of uh, 1971. We're going to stick with those five guys. Uh, Len Brunner, Graham Lena, Richie Twist, Peter Lease and Greg Vivas. So I'll give a shout-out to Jono, a mate of mine, who's uh, always talking to me about my six players instead of five. <laughs> That's our 1971 coverage. Thanks very much, Dave. I appreciate your help with this episode. Yeah, no worries, Chris. If you enjoyed the podcast, please jump onto the platform and have a listen. Give us a five-star rating or a review um, so others can find us too. We're also happy to get any feedback that you might have. You can jump onto our Facebook page for that or even onto our Instagram page, uh, either forward. Just just search for BRL Moments in Time. We've also got a website out there where you can listen to all of the episodes uh, that we put out um, onto our website, brl-momentsintime.com. 
This podcast is developed and produced on the lands of the Yagara, Yugara and Yagarapal people of the Ipswich region. We acknowledge and pay respect to their traditional custodians. Keep listening and you'll hear the second part of our interview with Ron Gurnett, Valley's uh, Lock Forward. It was a good interview to have. It went for a little bit long, so we're putting the second half of it on this week. Now down at New Malobon, you'll see the training there. Try out new strategy, they always play it fair. And you'll find the opponents that they meet will try to defeat but cannot beat those champion valley diehards, the boys employ. Um. So, 72 was going along great. You um, had a bit of form. Brisbane team had come and said, Ron, you want to come and play for us? And then a broken leg. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of history repeating of ourselves. It was, um, it was against West. That, um, 72 was a strange year for the whole comp because uh, we'd, um, we'd won the grind final in 71. West, I think, had come last. Yes. And uh, in 72, they started off with that. guns on fire and they went through the virtually because they'd come last and we'd come first and the, uh, we were playing them the last game of the first round and they were thrashing every other side yeah. they were playing and uh, the talk was that well Valley's always been a very strong defensive side uh, they'll put a, put West in their place when uh, they play us and uh, which uh, which we well, I don't say we were expected to do that but uh, they gave us a, a fair flop <laughs> a bit of a touch <laughs> yeah, yeah. Park, yeah and it it changed the whole, uh, the whole situation. Be well, I thought anyway, because West were training we, before that for, for fifty odd years or more. Uh, all the BRL sides were playing, playing on the weekend, train Tuesday, play, train th- Thursday, and play again on the following weekend. Yeah. West come along, and all of a sudden they're training Monday nights, Tuesday nights, um, having a run Thursday night, and might be having a. a, a a short run on a Saturday morning. Yeah. And they were bel- belting hell out of all the other teams. So everyone else had to follow, follow suit. <laughs> yeah. So by the, by the end of the second round, everyone was doing the same. Okay, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'd, I'd played A-grade all year, uh, mostly at Lock, actually. And um, and uh, the sec- the last game of the season, it was, at yeah. Lane Park, um, just taking the ball up on the edge of the ruck and big Stewie McAllister got hold of up, got him underneath the, underneath the ribcage, who's... He's a very strong front-on tackler. Yeah. Pushing me sideways, I put my leg out to stop me, and big Ray McCarran came over the top. Oh, no. He was about <laughs> 18 or 20 stone, I think, big Ray. And yeah, my foot stayed, there, foot stayed there, and the rest of my body went over there, so oh. I dislocated the ankle really bad and broke the leg in two places. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a mess for a while. The, uh, I, had, uh, I had plaster up to my, up to my hip, and, uh, and Valleys were told, actually, that I probably wouldn't be able to play football again. Yeah, uh, so... It was bad. Yeah. Well, that's a um, question without notice, I suppose. You'd had quite a few injuries to to this point, and that one was pretty bad. It yeah. kept you out for a whole year, pretty much. Uh, in 73. In 73. I played, the, yeah. I played the last. Yeah, the last, last part round. of it. Yeah. yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so did you ever think about giving it away at that point? Well, I hadn't, but actually, I was probably a bit silly in there. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I always thought there was still a little bit of football left in me, you know, yeah. and I was so disappointed about my experiences to that up up at that point you know, yeah. it was just it was a good driving factor for me to be reasonably determined I did a lot of work uh, particularly with the ankle uh, to get it back well enough to get back on the football field yeah. it took me a long time uh, so I did play in 73 towards the end of the season I had a few games though, great, only I think mostly when uh, blokes were away on rep, rep games and what have you and I sat on the line I yeah. think they played Redcliffe in 73 and, uh, and beat Redcliffe but I that's right I didn't they get did, a run. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, seventy four then comes along and you you're back into the into the footy. But before yeah. footy started, we had the Brisbane floods in seventy four. Were yeah. you personally affected by that? Or uh, no, the house wasn't. We uh, we built our house uh, in seventy two. I just finished building it before I uh, broke my leg actually mm. um, at Evelyn Hills. So so we we're up nice okay. and high. But yeah. the floods did affect me because uh, the birth of my first daughter, uh, Brit. Uh, Cynthia went into hospital just the start of the floods, uh, and I couldn't couldn't I get couldn't, in. Well, the Royal Brisbane Hospital was blocked off. Oh yeah, uh, it was you couldn't get in, so she had to stay in an extra two days until everything subsided. Like Kendra Brook was up, you know, you just you just, you just no way you could get to uh, yeah. yeah. So, 
And also, oh, there's another story too, we had a litter of pups, we had a good Labrador dog, we got a service by another pedigree dog and had eight pups at the same time. <laughs> uh, and I had a, a pen built in the backyard and um, uh, because it was raining all the time, I had to put them underneath the house and they actually wrecked my rumpus <laughs> under the house. <laughs> so that's the only effect that we had from the 74. Yeah. Well, footy did get back under the way, and, but it rained pretty much all through 74. Yeah. I remember that um, even as a kid, but reading through the, uh, the match reports with so many um, games affected by, by the rain. Uh, but Valley started well, um, and they evened out, though, throughout the year when so many players were playing rep footy uh, or being suspended or injured. Um, yeah. Do you recall much of that 74 season and how that transpired? Yeah, I, I, I remember that the um, Norris brothers and Redcliffe uh, always were tough games, and... Uh, and I think uh, East were also vying. I think that those five teams, I think, were vying mm. for the, the top spots for the finals. Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was pretty, you know, it's pretty solid season. It yeah. Was a long time ago, we were we were lucky actually at the end of the day um, to play. Uh, uh, I think it was North in that knockout semi. Yeah. I think it was, and it was just a typical North Valley's tough game and we managed to scrape through a very close score. Two defensive sides, yeah, yeah, 16 to 15, yeah. yeah. Do you remember much about that one before the grand final started, that uh, same final? No, no, really, it's not um, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that's all right. Um, so that put uh, Valleys into the grand final uh, against Brothers at that time um, and you were locked forward for that game. Yeah. So uh, can you talk to us about that grand final? So finally, is a little bit of good luck for... Well... Uh, it was a big relief for me, to be quite honest with you, because it was the first time I actually was picked on a, a run-on side yeah. after all the trials and tribulations for the previous year. So yeah. that was a big relief for a starter. Uh, but the game, it was just, uh, it was a miserable day. It was wet and miserable, yeah. yeah it was. Yeah. So the people in the outer, I don't know how many people stayed, but it didn't stop raining for the whole game. It was, a, it was just a, uh, a tackling fest with both forward packs, basically, to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, but... Um, we, I think the final score was nine two, I think something like that. But uh, and there's quite a few field goals involved. Were, uh, I was going yeah. to ask you if uh, if you had a problem because you didn't kick any. No, no, no. I think I was too busy trying to <laughs> tackle people. I think yeah. to a certain degree. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we, you know, it was just a tough game because we never got that far ahead uh, to be feel reasonably confident that you had the game in hand. That's right. No uh, tries scored. No, it's no just tries, a, a yeah. nine-two game. Yeah, and, that's right. Yeah. 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 Um, so my recollections as a kid when those grand finals happened, and I suppose we can t- put all of these grand finals together, but was uh, cars driving around Brisbane with the different coloured streamers of their aerials and, oh, yeah. you know, it was really, the valley would be all decked out. And I know when valleys were playing east, so I lived in east territory and it was all decked out yeah. in black and gold everywhere. Yeah. Do you remember the atmosphere in, in Brisbane at the time? Oh, can you talk yeah, to us about same, that? same as that, Chris. Yeah. Um, we valleys had a lot of pubs in the in the in the Fortitude Valley area, which was uh, you know, supportive of us. So, yeah. so they got all the all the colours out. Um, you know, you're required different times for interviews, etc. Yeah. I remember, I remember I had to stand in, in in a window of the shop, one of the shops in Queen Street, with Billy J Smith, with people standing outside staring, <laughs> at, and Billy asked me silly questions about my expectations for the grand final. Uh, but uh, Henry always made certain he kept all these players grounded uh, in regards to you know, getting away from the fact that we've got a grand final coming up yeah. the following weekend. So We'll talk about Henry later on because I, I definitely want to go there and, and have a chat about him. Um, but what about uh, as far as grand finals are concerned? So this is one that you've been a part of and I left yeah. this question for now because you'd been a part of the game. Um, but what about the aftermath? How did that transpire? What I know these days they win the NRL Grand Final, it's all back to the club and yeah. they have the you know, big parades, etc. What was it like for Valleys in the in yeah, the 70s? Well, I think it's the same with everyone. Yeah. You go back to your own club uh, and it was a big night. Yeah. I, I do recall having a big night with my mates that night. I didn't get home until the next morning. Yeah. Uh, but because we, uh, and the yeah. other thing is too, because... Valley's had a lot of support from a lot of the pubs around, uh, around the Fortitude Valley area. They all put them on a keg, and it's a case of going to that particular pub okay. uh, to drink yeah. the keg, basically. 
and we didn't get through uh, before the next season started. The number of kegs we had to drink, we had to spread them out a little bit, you know. So we start, we started the former season in credit. Actually, oh, excellent. Know. Yeah, no, it was, it was good. Well, everyone that, likes a winner. They do, they do. Well, that brings us to nineteen seventy five, which uh, wasn't so successful for mm. Valleys. Um, it was Henry Holway's last year at Valleys. It was last year on his contract, and yeah. he decided not to take up the option. I think of the. Right. Yeah. of the following year um, but we're unable to get much happening on the field can you talk to us a little bit about that and how yeah, that... that was a strange and very disappointing year actually um, we virtually had the same side yeah uh, we trained well uh, yeah. but for whatever reason it just wasn't happening for us uh, we lose quite a few of the games just close games but yeah. our games we'd normally win and uh, we didn't figure at, at all and uh and yeah, Henry had coached, that was his ninth year. Henry coached the first year that I came across, come across from Moisey Rules, so yeah. I had nine years with him, basically. Yeah. Uh, so I was very sad to see him go. Well, let, let's talk about Henry now before we um, dive into um, the, the future years. Can you talk to us a little bit about Henry Holloway and what it was like? Uh, I suppose two parts. What, what he was like and um, what it was like being coached by him. Uh, well, he was a character. Yeah. Uh, there's... Characters like that probably wouldn't survive uh, <laughs> in our current environment, but uh, he was he was just full of life. Yeah, uh, they used to call him a teddy bear swears. He, uh, but he was he had a brilliant f- uh, football brain, basically a yeah. great te- te- technician, and uh, very keen on strong teamwork. And he just built up the respect of all players. He had a raucous voice. If you're on the field and you did something wrong, he'd just bellow out at you, and just about the whole team would jump, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Uh, but it, uh, it was really good and he was tremendous for me because he, he, he picked me as a lock forward to start with and that was virtually what and my career flourished basically yeah. and he was very helpful as well he had, he had the respect of everyone yeah mm. yeah he was good I, I know one of the lines that um, that Henry was was famous for when Valleys had lose early was that um, premierships aren't won in February <laughs> yeah that's exactly right he was always work, looking towards the end yeah. of the season rather than the beginning of it yeah that's right yeah yeah well so 1975 wasn't too good and 76 was better but not a whole lot better um, you finished level with Wynnum and Souths in fifth spot um, three wins behind Redcliffe who were fourth um, <clears throat> so it was a, probably a year that was a bit different Marty Scanlon took over the coaching reins that year uh, what was the feeling in the place like it in that 76 season? Henry'd gone, Marty'd taken yeah, over. Well, the thing was, too, a few of the players were coming towards the end of their career. Correct, yeah. There's a bit of a mass exodus, basically. Yeah. The, where there's, I think Bobby Beeson, Yui, and Greg Jones, Paula Gala, I think, too, all went up and played up at Gatton. Gap at Gatton. I think Jeff Gill had gone up to Toowoomba. Uh, Johnny Crilly had retired. I think Johnny McCabe had gone bush. I think he went up to... He up went up Mons. to, um, yeah, Mount Isa. Mount Isa, that's right, yeah, yeah Mount Isa. And John, Johnny Abbott went over to East. And um, yeah, so there's a fair few people that just wandered off, basically, which mm. made it very hard for Marty. But yeah. Marty, it, it was typical Marty. Like, he, um, he he just coached as he trained himself. Yeah. Flat out. Um, and he had all the respect of all the, all the players, of course. Uh, he, he coached with you know, plenty of passion, but uh, it was a very frustrating for him and, and the rest of the team. Uh, Johnny Rhodes took over uh, the following year in 77. Yes. I'd retired. Uh, John asked me if I could hang in there for another year, but I, I was having trouble with being there. <laughs> I was 30 <laughs> at that stage, and I thought, no, that's, enough's enough. Yeah. Uh, but he actually recruited pretty well as well. He brought, he came over from Wynnum, and he brought with him uh, Ronnie Milne and Bobby Clapton. Yeah, uh, for a starter, and uh, and Johnny Rebo came across from from, from West. West, and I think Vic Wick, Wick, Vic Wheel and Mark Fenson uh, also lobbed on the scene, yeah, as well. So it was a big boost, and they just built from there, and they ended up with a really good side, uh, yeah, that, that followed on, built up in seventy eight and seventy nine. You know, yeah, so. they did. Yeah, um, yeah. and still uh, Strudwick was still there, and McCoy yeah. came in at that yeah, time. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so they, they had yeah. good. So you just said that um, that you retired at that time, but um, my research tells me that you went and played a bit of public service league. So 
Yeah, I coached, well, I was working for SJO still, yeah. and uh, they had the, still had a side, they had two sides in the public service comp, then they had an A-grade side and a B-grade side, and they asked me if I wanted to coach, Okay. Uh, for take the coaching role on, which I said I would, um, which I was looking forward to, actually. Uh, but I did play a few games, I didn't play all the time, but I played occasionally when I thought it was needed. Yeah. Um, and when my body held up, <laughs> body held up. Uh, but uh, we, we, we had, I had three years with them. Uh, we, played, we played the grand final in the first year against the Fire Brigade, Fire Fighters. They had a strong side, a lot of ex-BRL footballers playing in their side. Yeah. And they beat us that first year. We played them again the following year, and uh, we beat them the okay. following year. Then we decided to shift over to the Metropolitan League. Okay. That, was, that was a different league altogether. They had four... Four levels, four grades, and they had about ten teams in each grade. Like they had players everywhere. Yeah. And uh, uh, the first side, the first year, like there was Newman Rangers, the New Queensland newspapers, the, uh, the the natives and the Warriors. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of strong sides. We were fortunate enough to win the grand final the first year. So. Oh wow, that's good too. So I hung me, I hung, I hung, hung boots up after hung that. Hung boots up after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, something that you. Um that you are also heavily involved with is uh, is surf lifesaving. You were oh, down at the yeah. Cura Club. Can you talk to us about that? Because it's it's not just um, that you that was involved in that. A lot of rugby league players used to do a bit of surf lifesaving as well. Yeah, well, it was very popular back in the sixties in particular, and the seventies to a lesser degree, I think. But um, I joined uh, as a sixteen-year-old. Uh, my coach was Kevin, and also a good mate of mine, Bobby Littler, the coach of Bobby Gear. They were both very heavily involved. Um, in Kira Surf Club, so they took me down there to join, mm-hmm. and uh, I loved it. Yeah. Um, I uh, I stayed active member down there for about thirty years. So I was a life member and oh, was cool. club captain down there for a few years, and I was fortunate enough to be involved in an R&R side, one Australian title. So you know, it's just a really good experience for me. I'm still tied up a little bit to with the Kira old boys. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of the clubs. Like for instance, uh, in Kira we had a lot of blokes who played for East and a lot of blokes who played for Valleys in our club. Uh, Coolangatta was nearly all brothers. Yeah. Uh, North Kira had Norse. Uh, Belinga had a lot of Ked and Aussie rules, and Chugan had a lot of South Rugby League. And yeah. Like it was a, it was a good way to keep reasonably fit in the summer months. Okay. Uh, yeah. But then, football got to a stage that the summer months got. Less and less. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah <laughs> Pre-season but, training. Yeah, but they were, yeah, no, it was good. Uh, yeah. I really enjoyed my experiences in Kira Surf Club. So, um, next question. I don't even know. I'm trying to think now whether or not there would have been many different coaches. You've already talked to us about Henry and yeah. and Marty as well. In a sense, um, I think when you were playing for Brisbane, Henry Holloway was yeah, coaching coach, at that time. Well. So, yeah, so I didn't see. So too there many wouldn't other have coaches. been too many other coaches. Well, I had. Uh, I was Carl Dank coach when that's uh, the 1970 year when I played sea grade, uh-huh. and before that, Brian Eldridge, a chap named Blackjack, he was he was kind of a permanent fixture in the reserve grade coach okay. uh, in Bellies. Uh, right. Everyone knew him, uh, but they're the only other coaches that actually I. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's talk about on the field, Ron, and uh, you know, run through a few guys. Is there somebody at Valleys that you just clicked with? Somebody who used to love putting through a gap, or who used to love running off because he would always put you through a gap? Well, I suppose the first bloke uh, uh, would be Marty. I yeah. suppose uh, Marty seemed to be indestructible. I, I don't think he missed too many games. He, was, <laughs> he, used, yeah. to, he used to amaze me, actually. Yeah. Uh, and I and because I was playing lock forward, I I had a lot of uh, interaction with Marty. Yeah. Um, and uh, in the backs, of course, was Retro and, and Fitzy, I suppose. Yeah. Those two guys, were good experienced blokes, and uh, give you give you the right. Uh, uh, they pass the ball to you at the right moments, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, make you reasonably good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, this one's probably going to be a hard one, but uh, as a teammate, you get a unique perspective. So, was there a guy during those years that you played at Valleys um, who probably stood out as being uh, the best player that you played with in a Valleys jersey? Yes, it's a pretty difficult question. Um, initially, when I first started Rossi Trofo, when you're playing lock forward, you have a lot of interaction with your uh, with your halfback, Rossi Trofo, uh, and and later too towards the end of my career, uh, Rossi Strudwick. Yeah. Uh, but the bloke that was always there all the time uh, was Marty Scanlon again. Yeah. You know, he was just his his toughness, uh, his consistency, and just he was the ultimate 
team player and also the team leader yeah. uh, eventually you know, when he was captain later on and uh, he's just such a passionate diehard and he hated losing it. so <laughs> and that just rubs awful on people around you yeah you know, so yeah. yeah oh yeah that's that's good i i always used to marvel at the fact that he wasn't playing representative footy uh as much as as i thought he should have yeah that's right <laughs> he played yeah. some but he certainly from my perspective didn't play didn't play enough yeah 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 well let's look at the teams that you played against what about uh guys who might have stood out uh at blokes who gave you a tough run when you were playing against them uh yeah, the uh, well, the first bloke initially was Barry Muir. Oh, basically. yeah, yeah. Uh, like I was, I was a fan of his because I was only young when he was playing all those years for Queensland and Australia. But yeah. he was still playing the, the first couple of years, couple of seasons I played. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was quite amazed that I was actually playing football <laughs> against Barry. <laughs> but he, uh, I was, I was playing in the game where he walked, walked his side off. Yes, uh, okay. At Lang Park. Yeah. I think it was either 67 or 68. 68, yeah. 68. Uh, he was pretty cranky with the... Uh, the referee was Rick Pollock, I think, at the time. I think that's right, yeah. And uh, and I think the uh, the penalties were strongly against West, basically. <laughs> and, and Barry wasn't happy. And we, we packed a scrum up in our 25, and uh, he didn't believe that the scrum was fed correctly by Rossi Trelfo when he was blown. <laughs> and we ended up scoring from that scrum actually at the oh, other right. end. Yeah. And when the uh, when I, whoever the kicker was, might have been um, Normie Clark, I'm not too certain who the kicker was, when he was taking uh, I think uh, he, he was either got get sent off, he was gonna get sent off with the cheek he's given the riff and but so he was behind the behind the goalpost anyway and he marched his team off with him. Yeah. I think that's the way it all panned out. I think that might have been I can't remember if he was sent off at that that yeah. stage or not, but yeah he, It was ten so. or fifteen minutes to go in the game, that's all we were well in control. Yeah. I don't think they had any chance of winning at all, but uh they weren't gonna come back. <laughs> so that was quite fascinating. But uh but the other blokes like uh Desi Morris yeah. He'd be a standout for me. Like he played, I played a lot of football with Des. He was always a tough character, and he just he just kept on. Yeah. He was a good ball distributor. He was tough. He hit, he hit hard. You know. He, and he was just so consistent. Yeah. I don't know how many years he played after I give it away, but he was still playing. He was still for playing for a while. Yeah. yeah. He, and you talk about him being a ball distributor, but he was also a really good ball runner. Yeah, that's he, exactly. He had right. it all. Yeah. yeah. And he yeah. could hit hard. Yeah. Yeah. Greg Beavers is another one that came to mind. Yeah. And the thing with Greg too. Uh, I know all his, you know, played for Queensland, played for Australia, but he, he played for South when South weren't a real strong club, actually, yep. and he just hung in there. Like, he, the loyalty he played. Yeah. Uh, and when I started coaching, I, I, I used Greg as an example because he never played in the grand final, BRL grand final. He would have played at least 12 years, I reckon, yeah. uh, in the BRL and, and Queensland and Australia. Yeah. I never had the opportunity. And I used to tell the blokes when we, before we got on the football field, don't take these grand finals because they don't come to anyone. I use Greg as an example. Yeah. Because uh, everyone knew him in those days. Of yeah, course. of course they did. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Brown, the little halfback for Norse. Yeah. He was like all halfbacks or pain in the backside if you're in opposition. So I'll ask you a question. This is one without notice. So um, we, we talk about Johnny Brown when we talk about our 1968 and 69 seasons. Yeah. And, um, and, and Ross Trofo gets a, gets a run as yeah, well. That's right. and Johnny Brown was a Queensland halfback and he played for Australia as well. And Ross kind of never got those, those accolades. Can you talk about the, um, the two of them? And uh, Yeah, I think... Ross, Ross was an uh, incredible competitor. He yeah. used to hate losing. I used to, he, never, he never had a licence. I used to drive him from Lang Park or wherever we were playing back to the club for a beer after a game. And if we'd lost, I, you couldn't get anything. <laughs> he just wouldn't talk to you. Yeah, okay. he, was, he wasn't a happy person. Yeah. But he, he was a tenacious tackler. Yes. And, you know, and, and a good, could read the game really, really well. Yeah. But uh, Johnny Brown, he just seemed to be a little different level as far as... Uh, creating things yeah okay you know? yeah uh, but they both had you know either one of them uh, Rossi Trapper would have played the same game and no matter what level if he was playing for Queensland or for Australia he would have been playing exactly the same exactly game. the same yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, um, Jack Reardon wrote when uh, Trofo gave it away that um, that he used to have arguments with him that he did too much tackling because oh, okay. it, it kind of stilted his, his yeah. attacking game but uh, Ross said well 
if the guy's there to be tackled, he's got to be tackled. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He couldn't help himself. <laughs> yeah, that'd be right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there was, like, even like Dennis Motti and uh, Johnny Gleeson yeah. in my early days, but they weren't playing in the 70s, of course, because uh, Motti went down south. Went down to yeah. uh, Canterbury, yeah. And Jeff yeah. Richardson, I think, and Peter Leeson, the centres, and Graham Athen from for South to come to mind. Yeah. Johnny Grant. There's quite a few good footballers floating around the place. There are plenty of really good footballers. And that's one of the reasons that uh, I felt it was important to do the podcast, actually, because there were so many good footballers and they just yeah. uh, they don't get a run as far as being good footballers yeah. because they didn't play in Sydney. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. Um, well, what about uh, if we look at guys who are defensively, we talk about Ross um, Trofo tackling everything that moved. Um can you talk about someone who you played with who was probably one of the best defenders that you played with and, and also somebody who you really didn't want to be tackled by? Okay. Well, I've got a couple of names of mine come to mind. Donnie Lynn, for a starter, Yeah. Uh, when I first started playing A-grade. He was ferocious and, and the opposition were always looking for him. Yeah. Uh, and, but he had his best football, first football uh, before I... Before you came he, on, I mean, yeah. He might have been 31, 32 at that stage when I started playing with him with the Valleys. Yeah. He still had plenty of going. Yep. And the other bloke, of course, playing with was Russell Hughes. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, it was handy to have in your pack. Yeah. Uh, because the opposition was always looking for him. <laughs> looking for him. <laughs> and I, I've seen him destroy a lot of blokes. He did cause a bit of havoc, yeah. He, he was pretty quick for a big bloke. He, I saw him quite a few times pick blokes up from behind, chase them. At the same time, he'd pick their legs up and just drive them in the ground and, and you just kind of turn your head. Oh, like yeah. This. Yeah. He actually, well, he had a lot of fire in him, Russell, too. You know, yeah. He, I was playing on the day that he, him and Sattler mixed it. Uh, oh, right, yes. Park. Yeah. And uh, normally when something like that happens with the two front rowers start fighting, the whole, both packs get sucked into it. Yeah. Both packs just stood back <laughs> and let them go. No one wanted to get involved. They both got sent off. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. he's a very tough man, well, Russell. That's um, an interesting one. So another question without notice on that particular day. Was that the day that Henry walked onto the field yeah, to yeah, have a right. remonstrate with the referee? Yeah, it was, yes, yeah. yes. Can you give us any uh, insight into that? Well, it was a long time ago myself, actually. We'll kind of stand back what the hell's going <laughs> on. Because Russell and, uh, and John Sadler had a go at each other as well. Yeah. Uh, we didn't notice Henry coming on, to be quite honest with you. Uh, he had words to say. I can't remember what it was Oh, okay, about. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I think they... Both Russell and um, and Sattler have at it again, walking up back up to the clubhouse. All oh, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's one that Sats remembers. He put it in his book, so it's a, yeah. a memorable moment, yes. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, that that takes us to the the mid seventies was a, a pretty much a golden era for uh, Brisbane Rugby League. Did you ever um, take the field and think? Uh, I suppose you've already mentioned it with Barry Muir, but take the field and think, oh wow, I'm playing with so and so or. Playing against uh, so-and-so? Yeah, well, probably not so much in the 70s, but once again, when I first started playing, that brothers football side. Oh, right, yes. That, that was just jam-packed with Queensland and Australian players. I just got amazed yeah. and in awe, <laughs> to want a better word, yeah. of the blokes I was actually playing against, actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I got to work, actually. Uh, Wayne Abney started working with SGO at one stage. Okay. Uh, I might have been just right at the end of his career. Yeah. yeah. He's a good bloke. He's yeah. a really good footballer. He was quick. a really good footballer, yeah. 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 I think that might have been one of the only reasons I made the Brisbane side that particular year is because Wayne was out injured. He was injured. I think he had a broken arm that time. Yeah, I, can't uh, I can't remember, but I think he might have had a broken arm at yeah. that stage. Yeah. Well, um, thanks very much, Ron. It's, it's been a pleasure um, having a chat. We'll... Yeah, good on you, Chris. Thanks for the opportunity. No worries.